Blackbond Church Management is the only church software backed by the world's leading cloud software company powering social good. This enterprise-level solution goes beyond just managing your church. It seamlessly connects your church to your ministry all in one platform. Blackbond Church Management connects your staff and congregation, ensuring deeper relationships and effective ministry. To see more, visit hello.blackbaud.com backslash blackbaud church management. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome back to another incredible, amazing episode of Group Answers. I feel like I need to just top it every time. Isn't this great, though? We're mid-December. We're smoking the holidays. It's snowing outside. The place is festive. Uh, it's like 15 degrees. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. We've I, got the parade that's going to be later I hear this afternoon. jingle bells right now. Yes, the parade's going to be with the big floats this afternoon. We'll be watching from our... 12-story offices here. Yeah, you jest, but actually half of that was true because we are recording this in like um, first mid part of November and yesterday it snowed and it was like 20 degrees. The high yesterday was like 20 degrees, which is just insane. So half of that was true. Well, make believe is more fun, Chris. But yes. But it is cool. This is a great time of year, right before January. I get, so I should probably introduce, since we may have new listeners, my name is Chris Surratt. <laughs> I'm, I'm hosting for the moment. <laughs> He's wearing a, a Santa Claus outfit right now. Yeah. And I have the natural beard. <laughs> I used to have a dark beard, and now it's white. So I feel like if I just grew it like five more inches, I could be Santa Claus at yeah. this point. I don't have the hair on the top, but he wears a cap, so it could be okay. Um, but I'm alongside my wonderful, pleasant co-host, Brian Daniel. Always great to be here, Chris. Always. And we, we are joint. Go ahead. When you're Go not ahead. here, we miss you. I, I appreciate that. So I'm glad that. you're back. I hate not being here. Yeah. Well, but we are joined. You want to introduce our uh, our sidekick? I would, I would like to introduce, again, back for part two of this series, the story behind the study, is Joel Polk. Joel is one of the publishing leaders in our group publishing area and does just a tremendous job curating the content and leading the production team. So welcome back to uh, the Group Answer Show, Joel Polk. Thanks, guys. I thought you were going to say publishing leaders in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought you were going there. Goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. That's Are true. you suggesting that I may, from time to time, be guilty of hyperbole? That would not be hyperbole. <laughs> oh no, you're right. It uh, would not would, be. Joel, I would put him up there with all the other two publishing people <laughs> that I know. Christian publishers. Christian publishers. Team leader in the Bible study market. Primarily yeah. focused on North America. One of the best. You're one of the five best. <laughs> there's in only, the world. And that, there's only six of them, so. <laughs> I thought there were seven, but yeah. No, we, we are excited to have Joel. You're very good at what you do. We, we just, but this is a fun series. We kicked it off uh, last week talking about the story behind the study. Originally, it was going to be behind the study, but the wordsmith that Brian Daniel is, coined on the fly the story behind the study, which I loved. By the way, how's the novel coming? Uh, eight chapters in. Wow. How many are you shooting for? 
Uh, probably sixteen. <laughs> so you're halfway halfway there. Yeah, it may be it may be twelve, it may be fourteen, but I think it's going to be sixteen. We'll see. Is this Talked like, to an agent yesterday? So ooh, nice. We'll it, see. Is this like the story of Nehemiah where they got halfway through and they couldn't see beyond the rubble of what they were already? It does feel like that a lot of the time. Yes. Okay. Yep. How do you, how do you press through to get? To the end of a novel. I've never written a novel. I don't. Me neither. I don't think I'd ever would write a novel. But my books are like, you could read them, you know, um, on your drive somewhere. So they're pretty short. Novels are long. How do you do that? Uh, I use morning pages. Every every morning, I write I write three handwritten pages, and a lot of the story emerges from there. That's the only way I can do it. Handwritten. Yeah. That's impressive. It's just a part of this process that I adapted a couple of years ago. Wow. So do you take those and then you type them up later? Um, well, if they're usable. <laughs> you, edit, yeah. you edit on the fly? Well, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be stream of consciousness kind of stuff. So it doesn't Ooh. always go towards the content that I may be writing. Mm. But that's how, that's how I do it. Otherwise, I would be a writer's block king. Yeah. And am, really. Yeah. That's the only way I can break through that. that. That's honestly the only way I can write a book is just my first draft is just moving through it. Yeah. Just and then I'll I'll fix it later. When I wrote my first book, I tried to edit on the fly like as I went along and it was just horrible. It just yeah. took so much time. And then I I reread uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, which I would highly suggest if you're thinking about being an author. And she gave that suggestion just to write whatever mm-hmm. for your first draft and then worry about editing late, later. That's kind of what I do. And the word processing, modern word processing, just makes that easy. But you're you're a legitimate, actual author. I am not. So uh, you, you, nah. would, you would be the authority here. I not, have not, not written me. a novel. I will never write a novel. Yeah, well, I hadn't either. I'm, I'm re- in the middle of a novel. Actually, I just finished a novel that's like, it's like 800, 900 pages. And it was, it was great, but I just can't imagine writing that long of a book. But thanks for asking, Chris. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool. to It's kind of an outlet. But, um, but hey, we're at part two of the story behind the study. And, yep. and this episode, we're going to be talking about Something Needs to Change by David Platt. Yeah, so very excited about we, this one. We are very excited. This Bible study is available now. You can actually get this. But it is one of the more interesting ones that our team has done. And so... Uh, thanks for thanks, Joel, for for stepping in to the show. And so I want to just start. And Chris, you're kind of setting us up as the host, but I would start by asking Joel, how, what do you remember about how this got started? Something needs to change. I re- I remember someone, it's probably you, saying <laughs> something like, "Hey, there's a trade book by David Platt coming out. Uh, we have the opportunity to do a Bible study. Do you want to do it?" And, you know, that goes without even asking. So it, that, I think that that's what it was. We've done several with David bef- David before. They've been rather successful. Um, most of you guys know David Platt, and, and we were really excited about this one. And I think part of the reason we were excited about this one is because it was a little bit of a different take than his typical studies. Um, and, and without moving too far into the content, the reason why I say that is because in his typical uh, studies and books, they seem to come out of a sermon series. Um, and so every one of the chapters seems to be kind of like just a different sermon. This one was much different because it was um, placed in, uh, in the, the context of a trip 
in fact, several trips that he took to the Himalayas. And so it wasn't a sermon series, but it was a much more vulnerable look at what he experienced on this trip. So it was almost had a narrative feel to it. And so it was much different than we've done before. And I think that's part of the reason why we were so excited about it. So as the story goes, or as we are told, Chris, um, David, when he was praying through whether to take this uh, this role with the International Mission Board or not, he took a couple of trips to the Himalayan, and they were all they were both they were all missional in nature. It wasn't like to see if he's going to take this or not. But I think it at the time it was he was the leading candidate, and he more than likely was going to take the job. And I think this was um, just to maybe check the spirit. And so he goes to the Himalayan region. Um, you guys know that's, I think that's the Himalayas go through Nepal, Pakistan, you know, this, right? China, China yeah. right? This is pretty Tibet. Da- a lot of it's Tibet's pretty, dang- in there somewhere, right. pretty right? dangerous territory. Part of China. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we, we are not supposed to talk in specific regions about where he is or where he has been. But out of those experiences, he became aware of both urgent physical needs and urgent spiritual needs. So most of the time in this context, when you hear someone talking, they talk more in terms of the urgent spiritual needs that are so apparent um, when you're interacting with these cultures. But David was struck just as equally by the urgent physical needs. And one of the things when you interact with David, and we got to uh, we got to go to Washington, D.C. and spend, I guess it's about a half day up there, right, with some um, some some leaders of the radical organization. Yeah. David was there, and just hear the heart behind something needs to change. And one of the things I remember, Joel, other than when we prayed, that's what I was about to say. He and that uh, David and Chris actually like got down on their knees in a in a prone position as we prayed corporately in that in that meeting room that day. That's one of the things that I remember. But um, also out of this came this idea or just the sense that here is one of the most renowned theologians or accomplished, um, noted theologians of our denomination and maybe in the pastorate wrestling with the same questions that a new believer would. And there was just a measure of authenticity there that was striking, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, and I think a lot of people would look at the study on the the surface and say, "Oh, this is apologetic study." He's going he's going into the mountains sharing Christ with people who have never heard the name of Christ before. This is going to talk and and the questions are presented. Um why is it do we do we see from scripture that 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 those who have never heard of the name of 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 Christ, those people uh, are bound uh for something much worse than we are, and wh- how does that how does that look like in our lives? What sh- um, what should that do for us? And so, on the surface, it looks like it, it's an apologetic study, and it's he's going to answer those questions, and he's going to walk through the apologetics of that, and he actually doesn't. As Brian was talking about, he takes a much more vulnerable uh, approach, and a lot of times he says, "I don't, I don't know, I don't. In fact, I don't want this to be true. If you were to tell me that this is not true, I would rejoice." Um, but and so it's it's a much more vulnerable approach, and so you get that narrative uh, more than you do in a sermon series where he is the authority and he's telling you. He's saying, hey, these are real questions that we need to wrestle with, and it shouldn't point us necessarily towards confusion in these, but it should point us towards doing something with our lives. It should point us towards urgency in some way, and so that's, that's, that's sort of what the, the book and the, the Bible study do. So out of that time in D.C., um, we went up there, and that was basically our writers and concept development event. 
out of that time. So we, instead of him coming to Nashville, yeah. which we talked about in the last one, that's what happened there. Yeah. You guys went to him. And that's the way it goes sometimes. I think Chris, I think Radical, they, they were in a meeting, and so it was just a central location. It was just, it was more accessible mm-hmm. and, and easier to do. And um, and so out of that, we, we came out with some questions like, so how do we pull this off? Um, what is the objective here? And I remember, I remember David saying, look, because he, I mean, if you guys have seen him on video or some of you that were fortunate enough to be around him, he is, he's real, like, on the platform, I would say that he's, he's got a real dry sense of humor mm-hmm. and um, a very methodical approach to sermon, but he is a very emotionally driven person. Mm-hmm. And so what I remember David saying is, I would love to take everybody to on and and introduce them to this experience that I have had. But for obvious reasons, we just can't do that. So this Bible study is the closest that we can come to taking everybody on the same experience and exposing them to the same needs that that he has been exposed to. So it was David's idea to go and shoot the content over in the Himalayas? Well, you got you just gotta you just got to appreciate how ambitious that is. Yeah. And so when that, I'm thinking, did you blink at that yeah. point? <laughs> I don't. I don't blink there. I blink later. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that comes up. So we started thinking about yeah. So Joel and I looked at each other and like, yeah, I wonder how we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Green screen. And, and, and yeah, then that did come up. And so we talked about like shooting intros over there or like using. They already had some footage, right, Joel? That they right. that using that like as B roll. I don't know if green screen, green screen probably did come up, but um, like studio stuff, and it just didn't feel right. Hmm. We and also didn't have a ton of content to work with, and we knew that this we wanted this to have the B roll um, that it, it that it deserves, and so that's part of the reason why we decided to to go over there. Um, and it was no small feat in getting over there. Uh, how, going back, how long ago was this from when the Bible study was finished? Well, let's just let's just back up. So yes, we out of that meeting, we all agreed that this was something that we would want to do, and that is go to the Himalayan region right. in some measure and record David Platt in these locations. Now, Joel can speak to it more competently than I can, but there were some strictures about this. We're working with an organization. Like most most people would have to work with an organization. Yeah, if you're in your church and you decide you wanted to go overseas for mission work, sometimes you work with a, a partner overseas. Right. So you have to be real careful about like the people you show, the geography or locations that are showing your video. Uh, you can't call things out by name because this organization is over there doing very important missional work, and we don't want to jeopardize that. And so you go into it with a great deal of limitations that that really chased us throughout the whole process. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So, I mean, not just shooting, and it's like, hey, there's people that are looking, there's people that are asking questions and having to move around. But also in the in the editorial process, I mean, it got really picky. We had to really pay attention to what backgrounds were so mm-hmm. that we weren't giving stuff away. So, right. yes, we decided to take all this on, fly. It was a 30-something hour trip, I guess, to get over there. We had a small crew, and we were shooting at 12,000, 13,000 feet mm. for a lot of that. Yeah, and part of it was at around 15,500 feet, I think. 
And so, we did. We yeah. did shoot up there, didn't to, we? We hiked have, up to 15.6. Do you have to use oxygen at this point? So we took pills to to counteract some of the the, the levels up there. So mm. that's we started taking those uh, pills probably what, two or three days before we actually reached those heights. Yeah, you wouldn't really need oxygen. It, now, if you went from like here to 15,600 feet, yeah, you would. But yeah. we acclimatized at like 10 or 11 for days before we went up I'll be there. honest with you. I need oxygen getting to the seventh floor <laughs> of Lifeway. So. so in terms of the story behind the study, that's how we got to the conclusion to, yeah, let's get David. Let's get a film crew. They actually had someone that they hired. We're going to go to the Himalayas, and we're going to capture this. So once we made that decision, then it kind of got even more challenging. So how, so. How, how many months did it take to work all that out? So Joel uh, actually spearheaded that, and I would say we were on that logistically for every bit of six months. Wow. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Wow. So you guys work out the logistics. You get all the red tape, all of that stuff worked out. You get over there. What was and we've talked a little bit about it when you guys got right back. But what was the experience like being in the Himalayas with David Platt recording this this study? I think you just said it. We were in the Himalayas with <laughs> David Platt. Um, it was it was an incredible experience. It really was. And I think part of it is because we weren't filming this in a coffee shop. We were filming this um, in villages who had never heard of Christ before. And so he was sharing these messages and we were being guided around by 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 people who didn't know who Christ was and and their um, they worshiped gods of the mountains and they worshiped all kinds of gods. And so it was a surreal experience. When we when we went over there, there were logistical things that we had to, to deal with. Um, so one of the things is when we typically go on a video shoot, there are sometimes nine to 12 people on a crew, on a video crew. With this, we didn't have the liberty of doing that. One, um, one of the shoots, we actually hiked up to that highest peak and one of the video guys um, couldn't couldn't do it, um, and so Brian and I had to fill in um, in some capacity during those shoots. But I think we only had about uh, two or three video guys, and then me and Brian served as as the executive producer. Sherpas. Yeah, Sherpas, Sherpas. <laughs> on did, those. Do you have to get to some of these locations on helicopters? Because I've seen video of you guys getting in and out of helicopters. We helicoptered up and down. Wow, just to save time. Um, and then we uh, we helicoptered all the way up to our primary location, and then when I think we spent four days up there, and then we hiked one day down and spent the night there, and then helicoptered out. I don't know why we did that, but that was time. That was part of the trip. Is that why we hiked down? Yeah, because because it would take about about three to five days. I think I remember if we if we were to hike down all the way to where buses and vehicles cause I could actually get to, it would is a pretty long trip. It may have been longer than that. I was talking about from uh, that upper village oh, yeah. to uh, to the lower one. But Chris, that was that's the video part of it. Yeah. And so the other the other the other aspect of this that we had to wrestle with was so how did we package this content? Because you are limited with print media as it relates to like an experience, there are just innate limitations. You don't have like videos popping off a paper page. So we wanted to take the same mentality that we took with the video shoot and taking groups on this literal, as close to literal journey as is possible in a video. We wanted to also implement that into the printed piece. And so Joel and the team in thinking through that, 
Um, one of the reasons that we justified this trip was we got all this photography, and we call it B-roll. And I don't know that was not a term that I knew before I came into this work, but B-roll really is just like if you're watching the news and there's like just video behind the anchor as he talks, and it's just contributing in a visual way to the story, they would call that B-roll. Mm-hmm. And so we spent like, uh, I don't know how many hours of B-roll that we had up there. And so that contributed not only to the storytelling part of the of the video that we did with David, but also the photography. We pulled stills from that video, and we got still photography to put in the actual um, Bible study book, as we call it. Yeah. I've seen the trailer. You guys have a, where would people find that? Because the this the footage of behind the scenes is amazing of of making this. Lifeway.com slash something needs to change. Something needs to change. So they can see all that. Yep, yeah, that's exactly there's, right. There's some samples online so you could see what the book uh, looks like as well. Um, it was a real it was ambitious, but it's a beautiful product. It's four color and as Brian was saying, there's so many um, um, photographs that are just threaded throughout the entire book. And so we have that in the book, we have that in the video, um, and you can get a taste of that if you if you go and look at the trailer. It's honestly it I don't I don't know how Brian would rank it. It's I think it's one of not only the most ambitious, but one of the best Bible studies that I've ever been a part of, if not the best. Um, the video is beautiful, the Bible study um, is beautiful, but also I think it's a really, really great study for groups and individuals as well. See, a lot of people don't realize, I would not realize, how much work would go into something like this, just yeah. experiencing it at the group level. So that's why it's really cool to be able to talk about the story behind the study for something like this, because even just making the decision to include full-color full photography in, in, the, in the workbook experience is a huge undertaking mm-hmm. and completely changes the way we do things and represented a challenge for our team. Joel uses the word ambitious, and that's certainly in play. It was a challenge in every sense of the word. I mean, we were uh, – I'm not going to complain about going to this area and shooting, but, dude, it was cold. <laughs> there wasn't a time when I wasn't cold <laughs> up there. All the water had to be filtered or you would get cholera. Um, How many showers did you take while you were there, Brian? Zip. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Because there was no running water. Right. And so at night, they just had a fire. Now, the, the meals, we stayed in like this, um, you know, it was an inn of sorts. And they served up three meals a day, and it was um, it was indigenous food. And I thought it was tasty. It was different, but it was tasty. And so, you know, I was trying to avoid, because altitude can affect everybody differently. I was trying to avoid those <laughs> those gastro things. So I was always nervous about the food. But, I mean, it was... There were a lot of people that did a lot of stuff to make this happen. And um, it's really cool to be able to talk about it here and to tell the story. Because when you're holding the book and watching the video, my hope is that all of that stuff, uh, you don't notice all the effort that went into it. Because mm-hmm. what we want is for is for is for the gospel to emerge out of it and for groups to be affected by as the Holy Spirit works through this work. But uh, it's good to have this opportunity just to talk through, not— not in a self-serving way, but just so that groups know that, hey, there is a team of people that are really that are really giving it a go to bring the best resources that we can for the churches yeah. we serve. I'm flipping through the participant guide as, as we talk, and this is gorgeous. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've seen a study guide book that quite looks like this, yeah. that engages you into the content. And uh, I, I'll say this, too, because I think it's important for this, the story behind the study as well. 
is that th- there was a unique challenge on this that we haven't mentioned yet. And so with radical or countercultures or any of the other Bible studies, in fact, probably 95% of all of our Bible studies, we typically have content to pull from. Um, the challenge in this is that the book that we had to pull from, the content, um, was was a narrative. There wasn't a ton of teaching like you would see in radical or countercultures and, and other sermon series that we've done. And so we wanted to do a Bible study, but a lot of the content was was new content that we created and we we wrestled what how we were going to 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 build the study and the the template and in those writer conferences that we've discussed that's where we really go over the thumbnail. What is it going to look like? What are the group sessions going to look like? Are we going to pull in some of the journaling? And so that's what we ended up doing. We ended up mapping out what what this study was going to look like. And so there are some journals. Um, uh, we we originally called them David's journals, but really they are reflections that David had on the trip. So he would share stories um, from previous trips and, and, and stories that we experienced on the trip. Um, and then really uh, throughout it, we have uh, we brought people back to the Bible, specifically the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And so um, I, I remember... Uh, the, the the time that he knelt down and prayed. And, and I think that a lot of people will look at David Platt and they'll say, I know that he's just a guy, but he seems um, like he's got it all together. And I, I just, it's, it's difficult to think that you could live up to the, the character that, that he has. And, and, uh, and our content editor who used to write some of the, the small groups resources for his church said, honestly, it's, because he reads God's word and he believes it Mm -hmm. and it literally changed and changes his life. And so that's what we decided to do with the study is we wanted to bring people back to God's word. And so that's really how the individual study is laid out is that we bring people back to the book of Luke. We teach people how to study God's word. Um, Sometimes for the first time, people are learning and, and on how to read scripture and what it looks like to unpack scripture and to identify things in scripture. So we underline things, we do word studies, we have journaling studies, And so it's a really neat experience. I would really encourage you to look at at a a sample of what this this study is. Very cool. So eight-week study, correct? That's right. And uh, video-based. How long are the videos? Videos are around 20 minutes. Some stretch into 20, 22, 23 minutes. Okay. Not too bad. No. Not too bad. And I I think you need videos that long to really capture uh, David and the where he was at. Yeah. And part of it is that we wanted to cl- include that B-roll in it as well. And so that's kind of laced throughout. And so you see a lot of those beautiful uh, pictures and that takes time to, to build that narrative as well. So when David was at, church, at the church at Brook Hills, I used to listen to uh, his sermons when I was running. And I don't know why I haven't, you know, since he's been at McLean. I think just the, just the, uh, the routine has changed. But I remember one time him saying that they had scrubbed their budgets and uh, they had squirreled away, you know, a certain amount of money. And he looked at the church, I assume, I was listening to it, and he says, so how about church we go save India? And uh, I guess that would have been about 2008, 2009. I'm not real sure. So there's this, there was this sense that uh, this calling that this church mobilized could go make this significant impact for the sake of Jesus in India at the time. 
And so here we are about 10 years later, and David has had these experiences uh, in this region, and he's writing this book, and he's face-to-face with, let's just face it, the evils of Buddhism and Hinduism. And in this region where you've got 3 million people and less than 100 believers, and the David Platt now writes a book that says, look, I just I don't know necessarily what the answer is. I just know that something needs to change. And so in terms of like what this study is about, this is an invitation. This is an invitation to the churches. This is an invitation to the groups. This is the invitation to the three of us in the room to lay down the gauntlet and decide who you're going to be and how you're going to act on this information. To me, that's what makes this study so wonderful is it's is it's an invitation and it's saying look this is where we are this is what needs to be done what are we going to do about it i've been um we're all familiar with the term general revelation i remember david saying you know these mountains have proclaimed god for millions of years but there's less than 100 believers here of 3 million people they're not going to go they're not going to know who jesus is unless we go tell them hmm. and that's what something needs to change at its heart is about that's good stuff and I think it's going to be the next study for, for my group. And you can get that right now uh, pretty much anywhere that you want to purchase Bible studies. It's also available on smallgroup.com. So if you're a subscriber to that, it is there. Any other uh, kind of assets that people can get um, if they go on to the website? The digital resources are there. You know, the kit is there. Um, we have these. This is also I guess part of the the story behind the study, we've started developing these shorter video clips called previews, and the previews live in all kinds of um, capacities. Um, we have them on U version, we have them in the kit itself, so that that group leaders can give those. Uh, videos out to their group is almost kind of like a tease to the group session. Um, and we also have those online. Those are not something that you purchase. They're almost a, a social media asset. Um, and we use those in other ways as well. But that's another little um, um, asset that we have for, for these studies. But yeah, the kit, the book, um, and the digital resources as well. Awesome. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Brian, you want to talk about a sister podcast? So we want to highlight this, this, this time. The group answers show is a member of the Lifeway leadership podcast network family. The five leadership questions is another podcast in the family with Todd Atkins as a part of the Lifeway leadership podcast network family. Todd's recently interviewed leaders like David Platt. Wow. Ryan Myers and Louis Giglio. He's also recently done book breakdowns on shifts and discipleship and just look up five leadership questions on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. I know a lot of people listen to that podcast and I would recommend it. It's a very popular podcast and we would love for you to subscribe to, if you have not, to the group answers. When are we going to do the group answers Bible study? Guys, you're the uh, decision makers in the room. It hasn't come up. It has now. <laughs> so just not asking for Sweet an answer well right put. now, but think about it. Group answers Bible study. All right. It's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Not so a bad idea. That may be coming. All right. Thanks for joining us. And we will uh, close out this series next time with uh, Behind the Story. Story Behind the Study. Sorry. But this has been a great one. And we will see you next week.